0: Welcome back, everyone. We are the Lip Slayers, Tony and Clem. Our mission, as always, is to bring global awareness to the general public while exposing the legacy media and its demonic globalist overlords. How are you doing today, Clem?
1: Oh, I'm fantastic, Tony.
0: Fantastic. Uh, last show we got into with Mike on the mic. He was. We had to end abruptly due to time constraints, but Mike was just touching on the massive leaks that came from the IG. Centering around Strock and Page that the infamous now text messages exposing the collusion between Strzok, Page, members of the DOJ, Andy McCabe, um, who has now been fired, detailing the coup plot against Donald Trump. Um, is there anything you want to touch on that, uh, before we get back to Mike and let him keep going?
1: Uh, Tony, you know, there was one thing that jumped out at me uh, on the last uh, show And that was when Mike was talking about essentially the the personal vendetta between, you know, McCabe and uh, Michael Flynn. I found it absolutely amazing that there's a story out there that Andy McCabe was taking complaints from a female FBI agent who was looking to him for help. Instead of looking into it and uh, helping her to find some justice, he turns it around on her and essentially shit cans her for daring to ruffle the feathers. You know all this going down in the in the hashtag Me Too timeframe, roughly. I mean, there's all this. You know, it, it, so how is it that this guy Andy McCabe, who yeah is now fired for being a degenerate, how does he get a pass in the press by basically? Victim blaming and ended up getting this woman fired and then Mike Flynn steps up to the plate and kind of tries to help her out with a letter of recommendation and the press doesn't even talk about that Michael Flynn is still this this uh, bad actor that's working for Russia even though none of that's ever been proven so I mean that was just something that really jumped out at me and I can't wait to see what else Mike has because that was just that was pretty phenomenal
0: absolutely so Mike we're gonna hand it back over to you and I want you to get into when did Trump actually start to go on the offense? Because like you were saying for a long time, his position was very precarious for basically until these leaks exposing Strock and page and, and the whole cabal of actors around them for what they were, which was a coup. When did Trump start to use this Intel and go on the offense?
2: All right. So I would call this the first week in December To me, this is the Trump turnaround. This is when it all starts to, as far as actual evidence being presented that shows a lot of the stuff he's been tweeting that that has been derided by the mainstream media is, in fact, correct. Um, And it it doesn't happen until Mike Flynn pleads guilty, which is actually really interesting. Um, There's some people who actually have a theory out there that, in fact, Flynn did this on purpose, that he on the sword for Trump, uh, was the one that he got kicked out, and then um, eventually, even though he pleads guilty, um, it ends up bringing things out that are going to start to exonerate Trump. And when you really look at it, if you think about it, if he would have pled guilty any earlier, you know, maybe he got, you know, this could all be an entire Trump setup, or somebody from the inside of Mueller's team. Let Flynn know that, hey, they got the inspector general has all these quotes um, about the people that have interrogated you, and it's going to completely destroy them. So if you plead guilty, um, we're going to leak some fake news saying that you're going to testify that Trump's, you know, told you before, you guys were even elected to contact the Russians, complete lie. We're going to burn some people. Um, And then three days later, we're going to drop these text messages that are going to essentially exonerate you. And on top of that, we're going to make sure that we're going to bring it before the same judge that was the FISA guy for Carter Page. Um, that's Rudy Contreras. And we'll give this guy the, the option to recuse himself before you're put on trial uh, or before you plead guilty. He'll he'll not. He won't do it. And then we'll force him to recuse the next day, which is what happened. I mean, to me, this it's almost looking like complete setup. And they're burning these people. Like, think about it. If, if Flynn right away flips, that inspector general hasn't gone through all those text messages yet. You're not able to drop those text messages to even to burn the people, you know, to, to exonerate Flint. Um, I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And when you when you look at it all, um, a lot of the evidence points you in that direction. Well, so and whatever happened many,
1: to whatever happened to the uh, story that uh, the sentencing because he pled guilty, so you plead guilty the next day to sentencing. So the sentencing of Mike Flint has been delayed. What what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, there's a new judge, Judge Sullivan who apparently has come in before uh, in situations where the prosecutors did something wrong uh, called not giving exculpatory evidence, the defense that's evidence that could help your help your client, you know, prove his innocence, which was denied to him. These, this is the fact that Peter Strock or Andy McCabe uh, lied on the 302s that supposedly said he lied. It was not given to his defense attorney. He did not, quote unquote, he did not know. Maybe he did. And he knew pleading guilty is going to bring it all out, anyways. Um, but we'll go with the fact we'll say he didn't know that. That's why when he pled guilty, the, the judge accepted the plea, and that's the situation we're in now. This this new judge has demanded that uh, Mueller hand over the evidence. He was going to be sentenced, and it's been delayed. Uh, I think Flynn is going to be exonerated.
1: So I mean, um, like right now, Mike Flynn has has pled guilty. It's essentially the same as a conviction but the judge that that accepted his plea has been recused and has also been tied to Peter Strzok, who's actively working against Flynn and working against Trump by committing crimes uh, behind the scenes. And now this new judge is one, he's saying, hold on, let's take a look at this entire thing. And so now you're saying that it's in all likelihood it looks like Flynn may in fact just be exonerated, uh, if not, you know, uh, the judge says, "Okay, we're going to take your plea, and your, here's your sentencing." And then, you know, but what would stop Trump in that situation, in light of all the the emerging information and evidence, that there hasn't been any collusion? The Republicans report no collusion. You know, Flynn's—I mean, uh, um, Mueller's going back and you know wanting to get this information and that information. There's that nothing to do with the potential for collusion. Is just trying to hang somebody, anybody, on something, anything. You know, what, what what's to stop Trump from just pardoning Flynn? When he has that power, I
2: think, yeah, and I, I believe Trump's pretty much alluded to the fact in different questionings that he's going to pardon Flynn if anything happens to him. So, yeah, it's essentially, even if he does, you know, I don't think this judge is going to allow this conviction to stand. Again, I mean, this guilty plea, and again, they'll be able to say that he wouldn't have pled guilty had, you know, he was railroaded at that point. You got FBI guys saying on their 302 forms, which apparently is as good as a recorded conversation because, you know, FBI people never lie. It's just absurd that, that was that's what he's going down for. But Hillary was allowed to lie and everybody in her group was allowed to lie and destroy evidence and and, I mean, evidence it's
1: just, and burn evidence after it was
2: subpoenaed, etc. Yeah, the double standard is just, it shows, I mean, it's how evil these people are because they're using the power of government to destroy lives. And it's, and it's pretty sickening.
0: I mean, it's actually truly amazing what Trump has been able to do since he got in under the circumstances of what he's been in. I mean, he had to ferret out a network of subversives that had been purposely put there by Obama to hinder, to sabotage any and everything he's tried to do. And by baiting these people constantly to show themselves, to show their true colors, he's been able to... what the media has tried to portray as chaos in his administration because of the the turnover of, of, uh, people. I mean, you need to look at it as this is, this is actually brilliant because he is bringing in establishment people that are saying these things and he's able to then fire them on their actual by exposing who they actually are because until Trump has a, a, a solid base where he can actually, go on the attack which is what I think we're seeing now his whole philosophy you know coming in was the first year would be salvage and the second year savage and that salvage period was finding who was still legitimate in our government who were still real patriots and and keeping them in place and then finding and exposing the operatives that were left behind by Obama who even told everybody that you know I'm establishing a fifth column before I leave I mean he even said it on national television that he has people in that we're going to try to stop the trump train, so I mean it it took this long, I think for Trump to because what we're looking at here is for the American people, especially the the brain dead masses that are just going along with whatever is being said on the m s m uh to then slowly but surely. Paint this story out to where there is no denying it anymore because that's the only way. If we're going to get to a point where we see Hillary Clinton and possibly Barack Obama and all their little underlings being actually indicted, you'll have to have a, an ironclad narrative to show where, what these people did, how they did it, Because without it, they'll be able to spin it any way they want. That's the beauty of, you know, how WikiLeaks operated with the Podesta emails is they dripped one little set of emails out. They allowed the Democrats to lie and spin and try to change uh, the meaning of what they were seeing. And then as soon as they allowed a few days of that, of all the lies to pile up, the next drop came, which exposed everything and counteracted everything they had just done and once again showed them to be liars. It's, uh, It's truly amazing.
1: So, yeah, so Mike, of... let me ask you, you know, you've you built up into, the, into what's going on with Flynn. Where does this uh, Bruce Orr feller? How, how does he fit into, into what was going on heading into the uh, inauguration and so forth?
2: Well, many believe Bruce Orr is the unofficial connection to G, uh, Fusion GPS uh, with his wife, Nellie Orr, who is actually on the Fusion GPS payroll. She's a Russian expert, and strangely, after she gets hired by Fusion GPS, I believe she got a ham radio license, which has been suggested by some that that's how they were sending over information to Steele to then put this dossier and then give to reporters and then cite the same reporters who he gave the information to in a court hearing before the FISA court, which allows them to get these warrants on Trump. And, I mean, even Andy McCabe has testified and again, these someone has done the investigation. It's already been investigated. Somebody's already interviewed Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Bruce Sore, um, because there's quotes out there. Once there's quotes out there with, with names behind them, you know, and we know the Republicans didn't um, investigate or interrogate them. It was the in- Inspector General. This is this Horowitz guy, and this uh, Inspector General report is going to be trapping very soon, and there's some former FBI director said it's going to be pure TNT. You no, know, We'll see. We'll see what it turns out to be, but where I would go, what I think happened actually with um, how Trump, it, you know, in my opinion, his first 10 months, 11 months, it was rough. I mean, he, had, he was firing people. There were leaks nonstop. He was constantly getting attacked in the press, which still goes on to this day, but um, he had no real uh, legislative wins. He had uh, juries and judges all over the country uh, disobeying federal orders, you know, which end up having to get overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, there's a lot. It was a pretty rough, a pretty rough first 11 months. But in my opinion, when Flynn pleads guilty, what most people on the other side would think is Trump's worst day, and it's the beginning of the end, in my opinion. Once this Strock emails drop three days later. It is actually the beginning of Trump's resurgence. You fast forward, what, three weeks later, they actually passed the tax cut bill. In my opinion, once that happened, that solidified Trump as president. Once he got that huge, monumental tax reform bill through, which is a pretty amazing achievement that no nobody else could really do. Um, Bush had a temporary one that was not even close to what, what Trump was able to get through. Um, that was the establishment of his... Of his presidency, it was right at the end of the year. First year salvage, like you said, and then second year savage. And we're about to see it. The Republican, the Republican uh, released their memo, basically spelling it all out. Um, and we're about to have the Inspector General's memo dropped, which they're saying. I mean, many people have speculated, but this is this is going to be um, the hammer dropping. At least that's what many hope.
0: All coming in in 2018 the summer of 2018 when these congressional elections are going on so i mean this is this is a pivotal year not just for trump but for the for the history of the country as far as where we're going to go forward from here do we go back into the clutches of the almost tyranny that we just got out of or do we go forward into a new american renaissance it's key that this is played out very particularly like i said to paint the story, the way it needs to be pointed to get everyone who's been a diehard Hillary fan or Obama fan or whoever they are to actually come down and say, okay, does my loyalty to my country come before the loyalty to this party that now with, without a doubt, the evidence will show colluded to not to basically overturn the Republic. I mean, it's a, it's I I don't think people really understand the knife's edge we were on at this election. I mean, we were teetering truly of going towards uh, a a great uh attempt of taking many rights. Uh, Hillary Clinton said it from the time she was gonna do it, you're gonna lose your guns, we were gonna lose our sovereignty, uh we were gonna be at war with Russia. We were gonna be at war with Iran. I mean these came out of her mouth. She says I will bomb Russia. She said she would go to war with Putin. I mean this woman was truly out of her mind, and we dodged a, a bullet of epic proportions by Trump getting in, and and then to show what these people were willing to do to try to overturn the will of the people. I mean, it shows the, a disregard that, like I say, is has never been seen before in American politics.
1: And Mike, you know, we got we've so we've got these connections, and I just want to get back to these connections for a minute uh, between uh, Bruce Orr and. Apparently, his wife was working at the place that was drumming up the steel dossier. You got Comey's brother was working for the company that said uh, it was the Russians that hacked the DNC servers, uh, although the government's never had their hands on the DNC servers. Reminds me of another story,
2: <laughs>
1: you know, uh, but whatever. But, you know, where is there a, is there another thread here besides you know, an anti-Trump, we can't let this guy get into office and otherwise he'll find out that we were spying on him. Are there any other common threads out there uh, that's connecting each of these people?
2: Well, I mean, they they were all part of um, Obama's administration. But the, the strange thing is when you actually look at it, like somebody like James Comey, uh, he's supposedly a Republican. I want to say Peter Strzok was supposedly a Republican. So, I mean, it, it's kind of just getting back to the unbelievable phenomenon that was trump i mean he had a bunch of republicans who hated him who's that up? ben shapiro was vocally anti-trump they were these were people who were telling you to vote for hillary clinton and they called themselves republican so the fact that he was able to um overcome all that it's just it's it's almost unbelievable um but yeah like i said earlier um there was some. There was definitely some animosity there on a personal level with McCabe, just because, and with Obama. I mean, they both hated Trump, um, and I think that's where this is going to end up leading to. Because um, Lisa Page in one of her text messages said, "Potus wants to know everything." Um, you're going to find out that this referring to Obama. Absolutely, this was in 2016. This was was there was
1: there ever any connections or history between, say? Uh, Podesta and CrowdStrike, or Podesta and Fusion GPS, or McCabe and and Podesta, or McCabe and Clinton.
0: Well, I think it's to to point out who actually funded CrowdStrike. This is another devious uh, individual, uh, Schmidt. Is that his name the head of uh, alphabet you know the parent company of Google and all these other major companies he he's been seen on text message or emails talking to Hillary Clinton asking to be her basically tech czar he would he would fund this crowd strike to to be basically the attack dog on Hillary's behalf that was his deal with her so I mean a shady connection right there this is a guy who also uh, resigned the day that Trump signed the executive order allowing the Treasury to start targeting companies and organizations that violated human rights. So there's a big there's a dark secret going down with this guy. But also uh Mike, could you tell us I remember reading about the a shady connection between one of Strock's relatives and Obama. Someone was pardoned uh that was related to Strock. Can you touch on that? If my memory serves.
2: Yeah, I want to believe um there is a family member. I'm not sure I how, it's, how the relation goes. It's either his cousin's father or his cousin's grandpa. Um, but this was a guy in the Department of Defense who essentially leaked the whole uh, anti-Iran... Uh, sp- what was it called, that uh, virus that it was?
0: The Stutznecks.
2: Stutznecks. He's the guy that let that out of the bag and basically blew the cover of the Israelis um, and the guys in the CIA that were helping him out. Apparently... Obama, that was unauthorized, um, and this guy leaked it, and before and he got trouble for it. There he was caught, and before Obama left, he he pardoned this guy who was indeed a Strach family member. So I mean, maybe there was a deal made. Maybe, maybe Obama wanted this guy to leak it in the first place, or maybe, hey Strach, you do this for me, I'll get your uh, cousin's uncle out of prison. I uh, was currently serving time for leaking. Um, there's that. So yeah, there's. It, it is so, you can just see, like, they they call it a swamp is what it is. It's like these people and their little crew, but it's not the decisions they're making just doesn't affect, you know, a couple people around them. It affects the entire planet, essentially. Gross arrogance, uh, complete disregard for, essentially, like you're, you've been saying, Clem, the rule of law. I mean, these people broke the law in order to get what they want The the American people, their vote meant nothing. It was keeping the swamp intact. And again, like I said, there's Republicans and there was Democrats in on it. it. was the establishment of both parties. And there was a revolt. And populist uh, Democrats were union and gun owners, voted for Trump in droves, and that's what put them over the edge. That's the only way you can look at it. The establishment lost, finally. They actually lost. And they tried to rig it for the establishment. And it blew up in their face, and it's about to come back and smack them again.
1: You know, I'd like to see um, you know some more definite you know connections you know to that establishment. I mean, they're obvious. You know, they're they're pretty obvious, and they're there when you're talking about, say, for instance, Sally Yates and and uh, McCabe. But I think what isn't so obvious, you know, because I'm sitting there, I'm listening to the story, and I get it that they're nefarious. I get it that they're uh, lying and that they're breaking laws and that, in part, their motivation is to conceal uh, their illegal spying, which, you know, I'm just going to guess that they were spying on Trump in the beginning. Once he once he got the nomination, which, as you pointed out in the last episode, was, you know, part of the pipe Piper strategy, but once he got the nomination, it seems that uh, many individuals in the Obama administration went about trying to get you know, the insurance policy, and they tried to get the dirt on Trump. Uh, and then, amazed, you know, amazingly enough, they weren't able to get any dirt uh, that, that was really anything, you know, beyond the Billy Bush tapes, which you talked about in the last episode. You know, and then now they have to justify uh, their unlawful spying. But I I get the sense it's got to be about something more than that. There's got to be another thread in there somewhere that's tying all these personalities together um and i mean it just could be just simple corruption you know it could be the money that um you know bruce Orr, who's what what was he He was working at the fbi doj so he's a doj employee and his wife is assisting in this steel dossier she's getting paid lots of money that's coming from the hillary kent clinton i mean it's just like the corruption levels are just you the know street out- cannot put this stuff together and understand how cor- how corrupt this whole thing is and you know more than just saving their own skin because of a few laws they broke Because apparently they break lots of laws all the time and get away with it um, look at Hillary you know she just the whole you know mishandling classified information keeping the server in her you know basement or whatever possibly and potentially selling access to that server and state secrets you know, for donations, et cetera. I mean, it seems that there's, I, I get the sense, and I, I, mean, I can't quite put my finger on it. That's why I'm trying to see if maybe you can help me with this, Mike. I get the sense that there's something else behind this that's even more important that's driving this, that these people were this committed, that they were willing to, I mean, Andy McCabe is sitting there looking at possibly, you know, like you said, forget the pension. He's looking at potentially going to prison. I mean, these are pretty big risks and these are not amateurs. These are not, I mean, these people are at the highest level. So, I mean, they got there through some skill set. So, I mean, I think that they had to be conscious of the risks that they were taking and they had to be, yes, they were, you know, their hubris sunk them. Yes, their arrogance sunk them. But, I mean, what else is out there? There has to be, to me, it's, I just get this feeling that just, there has to be something else that's either being hidden or covered up. And I can't quite understand yeah. what it is. I think maybe if I see a, a better uh, picture of you know how these other individuals are connected, you know, to the core investigation, you know, maybe that would help.
2: All right. Well, um, again, so these five people that I have brought up—Bill um, Priestap, Peter Strack, Bruce Orr, James Baker, Lisa Page—are most likely in cooperation with the Inspector General at this point. That's why we have the text messages. That's why we have. All these quotes coming out, kind of going towards where you're maybe you're you're leaning towards here, Clem. Um, Bruce Moore, Bruce Orr did admit, and this came out, um, so it must have been somebody investigated him and somebody interrogated him because a quote came out. He admitted um, that Christopher Steele told them that he worked for someone who really doesn't want Trump to get elected. Like essentially, he said Christopher Steele was. Almost panicked in a way and said Trump can't win. So maybe that's kind of the the string you're you're looking at to pull on here. Who is it? Who was? I, I think that's kind of what we got. What we got to look at is who was the guy behind Christopher Steele. We're, we're talking about a British MI6 agent. This is this is a foreign individual interfering in our election. And apparently, it's a no big deal because he's British. Apparently, if he was Russian, he would have already been um, before a jury. But this guy who's British and is investigating um, Trump, supposedly, he admitted to Bruce Orr, and Bruce Orr told this. It must be to the Inspector General. That Christopher Steele, basically.
1: You know, and one of the names that pops into my head, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, John McCain, because I know he was involved at some point of handing off the Steele dossier. I don't know what, what role he played. But
2: he sent a uh, he sent one of his uh, one of his underlings to go deliver the dossier that he received from Christopher Steele to the FBI, but they already had it. So,
1: but so it, so maybe that was him trying to make it look like yet another sourced confirmation, you know, just like leaking the the same talking points to Yahoo News, and then they use those two, you know, cir- it's essentially a circle, but they're trying to represent it as two separate pieces of intel to the FISA court um yeah you know and i know that i know mccain's a big globalist i know that you know one of trump's uh centerpieces coming in which he did immediately i mean right away was wreck the tpp undoubtedly there's billions and billions if not trillions of dollars at stake and on the table and up for grabs by the players at the table who could get their hands on that so i mean that might be part of it and and uh you know, another name that came to mind was George Soros, because you just find this guy all over the place, right? He's always, If there's something screwed up going on, it's not very far away. His name is, is attached to it, and I haven't seen him get connected to much of this. Is, there, is Are there any Soros connections beyond the obvious, say, with Podesta or Clinton, uh, in preparing the steel dossier or taking this thing to the FISA court or trying to prosecute this, we've got to get Trump out of here?
2: Um, I don't know if anything's been absolutely confirmed, but certain things that have been confirmed. I mean, what, think about it: the day after Trump's inaugurated, do you remember what went on in Washington D.C.? Pussy Hat March, and um, they're pretty sure that was financed back to Soros. I mean, when the Trump guy's all over. He's, yeah, yeah, that's
0: yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you saw the main spokeswoman of that women's March, uh, Linda Sarsour, known radical Islamist who has deep connections to Soros. So, I mean, if if she's involved, you know, he's involved.
2: Absolutely. And, um, I mean, the guy was obviously, he wanted Clinton to win. Um, but you know, the way, the way the media, our media is,
1: is well, you know, something else just pops into my head is you, is you're right. You're talking about Linda Sarsour and Soros. And then you look at Huma Abedin would have been coming in with Clinton. She's got known ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. You got Valerie Jarrett on her way out with Obama, who's got ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, and radical Islam and Iranian maniacs. You got the Iranian and the pallets of cash. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot at stake here. And, it, and, I'm, and I'm just feeling like, you know, these guys, it wasn't just a... And no doubt about it, I could see the personal angle where... That's the icing on the cake. Hey, if we can burn Flynn and we can burn Trump, then fuck those two guys. But at the same time, I think that there has to be a deeper motivation going on where these people are, you know, like you said, Steele was, you know, almost, you know, frantic, like, look, this guy cannot win.
2: Absolutely. And honestly, Clem, I think you kind of hit on it earlier with your speculation that Trump had made it very clear he was going to destroy the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And that was a deal that was worked out over years. There was a lot invested into it. It was essentially going to undercut China, while at the same time completely hollowing out um, our entire industrial base. It would have completely kneecapped us, destroyed us. Um, Any kind of industrial manufacturing would have all gone. I mean, what they were essentially doing was creating a deal to get cheaper labor than what you can get in China, which is... Insane. So, so
1: to yeah, there's a lot of rich question, people. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, or, or criticize the the assumption here, but it kind of seems to me that the technocrats, the deep state, you know, the the career bureaucrats who stood to gain from this TPP. I mean, no doubt about it. They had, you know, a heads up to buy stock in companies that were going to do well because of it. Um, who knows what other kind of freebies were out there for them? You, you look at the intelligence. Uh, CIA, etc. You know, all these people wanted all this to happen, <clears throat> and the, the American people said no. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the electorate stood up and went and cast their votes. An elected a guy that was, you know, out front saying he was going to wreck this thing. So, I mean, that really, to me, kind of clarifies. You know, you. I heard, I heard both, uh, both you, uh, Tony and Mike, saying this that you know, the coup, the coup. And I'm trying to qualify this in my head. You know, what is this? What is this coup? Well, the coup was, you know, removing the guy that the American people sent to Washington to wreck the deal that had been in the works, as you pointed out, for decades, and they weren't going to allow it. And there had Absolutely. to be lots of donors. You know, you're looking at the donor class, the politicians, the people that just cater to the donors all the way, which is the big bankers, et cetera. You know, no doubt the bankers stood to make a lot of money on the TPP through financing and lending and credit, et cetera, to make all this commerce happen. That was going to screw America, but make them very wealthy.
0: No, well, I think too with the TPP,
1: I think there's interest behind. You know, hey, you've got to stop this guy, and because it, it, you know we see that, we see there's a desperation there, we see there's a recklessness there, and they're like jumping through these hoops. And it just doesn't make any sense to the, you know, the normal guy walking down the street, he's like trying to understand how this got so far out of hand and who was behind it and, and, and you know, the interests that were, you know, there. I mean, it really was a coup attempt. It really was a, a, the group of the unelected trying to take out the elected so that they could continue forward with their original plan.
0: Well, think about what TTP was going to do. It was going to be the largest sovereignty transferring deal ever made i mean what people don't get is we were going to be part of a trade deal with like i don't know was like 33 or 35 other countries which for us to be able to get out of the deal you had to have an almost unanimous uh agreement by all of the other countries to allow the united states to leave so in, in essence putting the united states on the same level as say a honduras Or something that was one of these countries involved, by any of these you know countries would have the same stature in this deal as the United States, and they the TTP's rulings would over would would succeed or uh, overrule any congressional you know policy that came out to counteract it. I mean, it truly was going to be the death nail in U.S. sovereignty worldwide. I mean, there was going to be nothing left.
1: Some of my research on the TPP also indicated that if there was an American corporation protected by the Constitution of the United States, and they came into a dispute with a foreign corporation, that dispute could not be settled in an American court that avails that corporation or entity its, duly constitu- or its due constitutional rights that, it in fact, would be settled in a, uh, in a body that was set up as a part of the agreement that it, you know is is headed by a panel of multinational lawyers and interests that would not avail uh, the American entity its constitutional rights. So in that regard, I uh, can absolutely see <clears throat> where it was in fact putting uh, American sovereignty out to pasture. And so I, you know, and I'm really interested in in and I and I hope you'll come back again, Mike, and and give us even more detail on these individuals because what I'm starting to think now is. Is that the people like Peter Strzok, people like Bruce, or people like even McCabe and even Comey? Okay, that these are these are people that are in fact fulfilling multiple roles, and you know, in their nine to five life, they're doing the job that they were hired to do or appointed by Congress to do, and their particular seat in the function of our government. But it seems to me, and I'm starting to begin to think that they were also hirelings working for other interests to to safeguard uh, policies that were that were being brought about not through our our Republican form of government by the will of the people, but through fiat and through donor class and powerful corporations and powerful individuals who can just make things happen without having to ask the people to do it. And the people rejected their plan, uh, the TTP only being part of it. Open borders is another one. You know, Trump promised to close the border. Well, you know, there, we know that the connections... Uh, between the globalist interest and having open borders. Uh, You look at Europe and what's happened over there, and you know that Soros uh, is involved in open borders policies, Uh, and it's an insane policy. So I view these individuals involved in this caper, the the foot soldiers, if you will, on the front lines of this coup, were operating 9 to 5 under the guise of being Americans and American patriots and working in the interest of the American people and their jobs, but in reality were bought and paid for mercenaries Uh, working for uh, other entities other than the American people.
2: Absolutely. And then you said paid mercenaries. Um, It was confirmed Andy McCabe's wife, who uh, ran for, I want to believe she's going to run for a Virginia uh, representative seat in the state of Virginia, got a $700,000 loan from a Clinton underboss, the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe. Um, Bruce Orr's wife secured, I believe it was like a $1.2 million contract with Fusion GPS to be their Russian expert. Yeah, oh, by the way, her husband was still working at the uh, DOJ and was going to most likely (laughs) be feeding her information. Yeah, so maybe that's what you're looking for. These these underlings were bought and paid for and were probably guaranteed one thing or another if they were to just get uh, old Hillary in. And Hillary was answering for a lot of people above her. So, I mean, I would almost look at this as like, if we're looking at it as a structure, there are people who are commanding Hillary to do things, and she's powerful enough to where she could command people to do stuff, and that's how she gets Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok.
1: By compromising them, by the way, as you pointed out, you know, in the last conversation, the the way the Clintons have existed so long is because they compromise people along the way. And get dirt on them, and then the and so the offer is, hey, you can you know you're two two paths forward. you can either take you know all this more money than you can count and do what we want, and life's good, or we can wreck you
2: absolutely, and I think the poster child for this exact scenario would have to be David Brock, you may have heard of him, he's uh the leader or the funder of media matters, a far left organization that essentially. Attracts and attacks anything, you know, to the right amount. Um, David Brock, how he even got into the situation he's in, he was initially contracted uh, by a Republican donor, Republican heavyweight, I forget who it was. He was supposed to do an investigation into the Clintons, dig up dirt about them, find out everything he could and write a book about it. Well, <laughs> midway through his investigation into the clintons he gets flipped he becomes a liberal all of a sudden even though he was supposedly a republican and working for republicans and he's been a clinton ally ever since um so there's just a pretty good example of someone who is hired to investigate the clintons um who knows what they got on that guy i, I can imagine what they got on him but i won't uh, i won't say yeah but a supposed guy that's going to do a hit piece on him Ends up becoming one of their biggest and best allies for the next 25 years. It's an unbelievable story, and it just shows their their ability, their criminal ability. It's uh, almost <laughs> it's unrivaled in this country, I'd say.
1: You know, I, I got to well, tell you, just kind of coming to this conclusion and and seeing the, the these actors uh, in that light, uh, that of mercenaries that and bought and paid for foot soldiers who are both compromised, you know, they get the carrot and the stick at the same time. And I, I think that's proven to be a pretty good uh, model to motivate people. <clears throat> and And looking at it, and looking at this attempted coup uh, in that light, and looking at who was opposing Trump going in and who was opposing to the TTP, uh, all the Republicans, no doubt, who stood to, to get gains, they were certainly motivated by that, I'm sure. John McCain being probably the, the front name that I can think of.
2: Marco Rubio all the all of Trump's opponents the in the Bushes. primaries essentially the Bushes yeah I would say that's probably the one family ahead of the Clintons but they're as uh, old Barbara Bush said Clintons my son from another mother they they really think <laughs> it's amazing how close those families are but they go you way know,
1: back so it, I'll tell you what though the, the, all this just drives home to me it makes me even that much happier that we got Trump. I mean, I was a Trump voter, and uh, to be honest with you, in the beginning, I just saw everybody who was lined up against him, and I figured he was the guy I needed to vote for, simply by who wanted to annihilate him. Uh, because I know they're bad actors, and I know that they're just not who I want in charge of our country. But now that you know we're a year and some on in this Russian collusion slash FISA court abuse slash unlawful spying, and all these this stuff going on behind the scenes that's now coming to light, I'm just even that much happier that I voted for the guy um, and I, understand I, kind of at another level how important it is that he, in fact, is the president right now and how much he's going to need, you know, continued support.
2: I mean, I agree. I I essentially had no expectations. My vote for Trump was basically against Hillary Clinton. I kind of believed all the stories that he's going to just be a puppet or this or that. and. I didn't think much of it, but when I saw him annihilate Trans-Pacific Partnership day one, and then after that, burns the climate uh, agreement, I knew he was for real, um, and that I def- definitely made the right decision. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing story.
0: It truly is, and it continues. And Trump continues to surprise everybody with. His durability, I mean, when they come out, when they say he is a fighter, that is the truth. I don't think there is another human being on this planet that could endure the kind of attacks that he's enduring daily. He's a bull. I mean, he really is. He truly is a fighter. And like like you just pointed out, killing the two most sovereignty-slaughtering pieces of legislation with the TTP and that Paris Climate Accord, which when you actually break it down and you get off the whole diatribe of climate change and we can, that's a whole nother story of, but the truth of the matter was that was going to destroy the United States. And so was TTP and trust Trump killed it day one. So it truly shows where this man's heart is and, and and the country he loves and how he's backing us. Um, great show today, guys, Clem, as always, uh, we are digging into these things. Like I said, touching on, the names and events that we keep hearing in the news that you're not getting a lot of description or details about so i think uh with that mike as always great work i'm sure you'll be coming back uh, on another show to continue this everyone out there we'd love to thank you again for listening to Lib slayers and i will end with a quote from ben franklin and this is the truth of the fact that especially when Taking on liberals, you need to be prepared. So Ben Franklin has a good quote for us. uh, By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Thank you, everybody. God bless you, and God bless America.